you under her eye. This podcast is all about women's empowerment and gender equality. We are fucking this month in the patriarchy over here and we are doing that through education because education is so important and this is all brought to you by me in Sandsfield. I am 17 years old. I do not know shit. I do not. Okay. Hey guys, welcome back to Under Her Ah. <laughs> so I know I haven't uploaded in a while. Uh, I'm really bad, but to be honest, I don't want it to feel like a chore. I'm just going to open my iMac. Um, I don't want it to feel like a chore. So I'm going to say from now on, there's no promises of a weekly or a <laughs> two weekly upload. I'm just going to upload when I feel I have something to say. I don't want to just say things because... I don't want to just make an episode every week when I don't feel like I have enough to say because that's when I worry that I'm going to say something wrong. So, yeah. Today, we're going to be talking about the climate because... It's a big week. It's the start. It was the start of COP twenty six yesterday in Glasgow, um, and I just want to talk about it because I live in the UK, and it's a big deal. And we better get somewhere. We better freaking get somewhere. Um, I'm sorry. I'm. <laughs> yeah, I saw something already that the climate, the China. I don't know what it's called, the Chinese prime minister leader isn't hasn't even shown up, <laughs> so we're off to a good start. <sighs> but I'm currently reading, which is quite apt. I'm currently reading the future we choose, which is the stubborn optimist's guide to the climate crisis, and it is by Christiana. Christiana Figueres and Tom Riffit Kanak. So, Christiana is the former UN Executive Secretary for Climate Change and Tom is a senior political strategist for the Paris Agreement. So, you know, the Paris Agreement was the massive, like, kind of landmark first world... I didn't mean that, like, I meant, like, the world's first climate kind of agreement where all countries recognize that they do their part but the issue is that they haven't and this book was first published in it was published i think first in 2019 but they've done like re versions which is really cool um and they've even done like a really recent one about covid not about covid but like including it so it's very with the time because they've rewrote some of it and added to it um i just want to have a look at some climate information because you guys know i like to learn with you So this article on the New York Times 
quoting a lot of Biden, challenge of our collective lifetime is what Biden said. He has said that climate change is already ravaging the world, ravaging the world in his speech today and even while global warming is causing widespread economic damage and upending lives he said this was also a moment of opportunity to reshape the way humans live in better harmony with nature okay that's actually i quite like that um the future we choose book also talks about that it's not just about climate change in the kind of surface level way but it delves deeper because without you know, yeah, we can lower emissions, but it's not just about that. It's about providing kind of a happier way of life. Otherwise, we're not going to want to lower emissions. You know, there's got to be some reason people want good things now. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of older people, they don't care because they're not going to be here. Unfortunately, they don't care enough. So that's why it's got to be, there's got to be some sort of incentive. And that is very selfish because, you know, a, a, a world for nature and for future generations should be an incentive enough. But human nature isn't really like that. <laughs> he also said that we are standing at an inflection point in world history. And that cli- calling climate change an existential threat to, to, to human existence as we know it. That point was echoed by Prime Minister Mia Motley of Barbados. If our existence is to mean anything, we must act. Underscoring the urgency of the moment, with leaders, leaders of more than 120 countries gathered for the summit, the United Nations Secretary General, Antonio Guterres said that the effects of a warming planet were being felt from the ocean depths to the mountain tops. Sea levels rise. Sea level rise has doubled from more than thirty years ago. Oceans are the hotter than ever. Parts of the Amazon rainforest emit more carbon than they observe. And in the last decade, about four billion people were affected by events related to the climate change. Enough of burning and drilling and mining our way deeper, Mr Guterres said. We're digging our own graves. And a lot of these leaders, they say these things. They say these really impactful things. And I think some of it is definitely, it's also, it's quite guilt-ridden. Like, they kind of project onto the public. But they don't seem to take responsibility that they are world leaders. They have to start. You know, Boris Johnson, a few months ago, he got a private jet from London to Cornwall for a climate meeting. Excuse me? (laughs) What? Are you okay? No. (laughs) Um, The aim of the summit is for countries to nudge each other to strengthen their own climate plans so that the worst effects of climate change can be averted. In order to do that, according to scientific consensus, the average global temperature rise should be limited to 1.5 degrees Celsius by the end of the century, compared with levels before the Industrial Revolution. That is the threshold beyond which scientists say the dangerous dangers of global warming, such as deadly heat waves, water shortages, crop failures and ecosystem collapse, collapse grow immensely. Mr Guterres called out countries to return to the summit every year to nudge one another. 
Uh, oh, many countries will press against such specific measures and the absence of leaders from Russia and China from the meeting cast doubts on how united the world can be in the struggle. China, the world's largest greenhouse gas emitters, proposed a new emissions target that is largely indistinguishable from one it made six years ago. The United States, the largest historic emitter, has an ambitious emission goal but has not been able to pass legislation to achieve it. And Australia, India and Russia have not made any new pledges to draw down climate pollution this decade. Meanwhile, only a few wealthy countries have allocated money to help poor and vulnerable nations cope with the effects of climate disasters that those countries have done little to cause. Prime Minister Boris Johnson of Britain kicked off the summit with an urgent call to action, likening climate change to a bomb primed to explode, even as he acknowledged the challenges ahead. The tragedy is that this is not a movie and the doomsday device is not is real. Humanity has long since run down the clock on climate change. It is one minute to midnight on that doomsday clock and we need to act now. Okay, Boris, we don't have to give such a weird metaphor like just stop finding private jets and stop passing legislation and proposing legislation that actually perpetuates the issue. Don't freaking refer to it as a bomb gonna explode if you're, you know, not doing anything about it, which you're not. Um, I Also, there is, if you're in the UK and you're listening to this, there are, like, worldwide protests. Sorry, not in the UK, if you're anywhere. Uh, there's worldwide protests on the 5th. I think it's mainly the 5th of November. And it's called the Global Day of Action. And there's a Manchester one. There's obviously, like, a Glasgow one. Then There's a lot in the UK, but they, they are worldwide. Like, there's even ones in, like, New Zealand. Like, So get looking to see if you can go. Because it's going to be, like, a worldwide thing. Um which is amazing, and I'm going to the Manchester one, so it's next Saturday, and yes, um, I'm going to now redo a part of my book, because there is such an amazing few chapters, so there's one chapter that is talking about what the world could be like in 2050, 2050 if we don't do anything, and there's a world that they describe in 2050, if we do do things. So I'm gonna read you the bad one and we'll see if we have time to read you the good one. And obviously it's kind of hypothetical because we don't know exactly. This is just what a lot of scientists have concluded could be the case if we keep omitting what we are doing. Chapter two, the world we are creating. It is 2050. Beyond the emissions reductions registered in 2015, no further efforts were made to control emissions. We are heading for a world that will be more than 3 degrees Celsius warmer by 2100. How do you say it? <laughs> the first thing that hits you is the air. In many places around the world, the air is hot, heavy and, depending on the day, clogged with particulate pollution your eyes often water your cough never seems to disappear you think about some countries in asia where out of consideration sick people used to wear white masks to protect others from airborne disease airborne infection oh i need to sneeze (laughs) 
Okay, guys, boss me. <laughs> you can no longer simply walk out of your front door and breathe fresh air. There might not be any. Instead, before opening doors or windows in the morning, you check your phone to see what the air quality will be. Everything might look fine, sunny and clear, but you know better. Hello. When storms and heat waves overlap and cluster, the air pollution and intensified surface ozone lanes can make it dangerous to go outside without a specially designed face mask, which only some can afford. Southeast Asia and Europe. <laughs> Southeast Asia and Central Africa lose more lives to fill the air than do Europe or the United States. Fewer people work outdoors, and even indoors, the air can taste slightly acidic, sometimes making you feel nauseated. The last coal furnaces closed 10 years ago, but that hasn't made much difference in air quality around the world because you are still breathing dangerous exhaust fumes from millions of cars and buses everywhere. Some countries have experimented with seedling grain clouds, the process of artificially inducing rain, hoping to wash pollution out of the sky, but results are mixed. Seeding clouds to artificially create more rain is difficult and unreliable, and even the wealthiest countries cannot achieve consistent results. In Europe and Asia, the particle, the, the practical, in Europe and Asia, the particle has triggered. I just did it again. The practice has triggered international incidents because even the most skilled experts can't control where the rain will fall. Never mind that acid rain is, God, deleterious. You won't think I did English A-level, would you? Deleterious to crops, wrecking havoc on food supply. As a result, crops are increasingly grown undercover, a trend that will only increase. Our world is getting hotter. Over the next two decades, projections tell us that temperatures in some area of the globe will rise even higher an irreversible development now utterly beyond our control. Oceans, forests, plants, trees and soil had for many years absorbed half the carbon oxygen we spewed out, carbon dioxide we spewed out. Now there are few forests left, most of them logged or consumed by wildlife, and the permafrost is belching greenhouse (laughs) gases into an already overburdened atmosphere. The increasing heat of Earth is suffocating us, and in five to ten years, vast waves of the planet will be increasing in hospital be increasingly inhospitable inhospitable <laughs> to humans. We don't know how hospitable the arid regions of Australia, South Africa and the Western United States will be by two thousand one hundred. No one knows what the future holds for their children and grandchildren. Tipping point after tipping point is being reached, casting doubt on the form of future civilization. Some say that humans will be cast to the winds again gathering in small tribes, hunkered down and living on whatever patch of land might sustain them. Passing tipping points have already been painful, first with the vanishing of the coral reefs. Um, Corals are now almost gone. The Great Barrier Reef in Australia is the largest aquatic cemetery in the world. Efforts have been made to grow artificial corals farther north and south from the equator, where the water is a bit cooler. But these efforts have largely failed and marine life has not returned. Soon there will be no reefs anywhere. It is only a matter of a few years before the last 10% dies off. The second tipping point was the melting of the ice sheets in in the Arctic. There is no summer Arctic sea ice anymore because warming is worse at the poles. Between 6 and 8 degrees higher than other areas, the melting happened happened silently in that cold far north of the most inhabited world, but its effects were soon noticed. The Great Melting was an accelerant of further global warming. 
The white ice used to reflect the sun's heat, but now it's gone. So the dark sea water absorbs more heat, expanding the mass of water and pushing sea levels even higher. More moisture in the air and higher sea surface temperatures have caused a surge in extreme hurricanes and tropical storms. Recently, coral cities in Bangladesh, Mexico, the United States and elsewhere have suffered brutal infrastructure destruction and extreme flooding, killing many thousands and and displacing millions. This happened with increasing frequency now. Every day, because of the rising water levels, some part of the world must evacuate to higher grounds. Every day, the news shows images of mothers with babies strapped to their backs, wading through floodwaters and homes ripped apart by vicious currents that resemble mountain rivers. News stories tell of people living in houses with water up to their ankles because they have nowhere else to go. Their children coughing and wheezing because of the mould growing in their beds. Insurance companies declaring bankruptcy, leaving survivors without resources to rebuild their lives. Contaminated water supplies, sea salt intrusions and agricultural runoff are the order of the day. Because multiple disasters are often happening simultaneously, it can take weeks or even months for basic food and water relief to reach areas pummeled by extreme floods. Diseases such as malaria, dengue, call, I can't speak when I'm tired. Let's just skip it. Respiratory illnesses and malnutrition are rampant. Um, so, yeah. I don't think people realise that it, well, okay. I think it's very easy when you live in a privileged position, when you are middle class or you are you know in a developed country it's very easy at the moment especially if you're maybe you know in the UK or in parts of America um, it's very easy to not see the effects of climate change it's very easy to say, oh, well, it's something for the future because you're not facing the issues right now. People still seem to forget that the effects are happening now. The climate crisis is not a crisis for the future. It is not. <laughs> like, it actually is not. Um, okay, I want to find... The second Okay, um so it just talks about more natural disasters, extreme heat, um and like the effect like even more disparity. Food production swings wildly from month to month, season to season, depending on where you live. More people are starving than ever before. Climate zones have shifted, so some new areas have become available for agriculture, while others have dried up. Still, others are unstable because of the extreme heat, never mind flooding, wildfires and tornadoes. Entire regions suffer from epidemics of stunting malnutrition. Reproduction has slowed overall, but most acutely in those countries where food scarcity is dire. Infant mortality has rocketed. And international aid has proven to be politically impossible to defend in light of mass poverty. 
conscious with enough food, resolute about holding on to it. It's actually so depressing, and that is so important that it's depressing. Like, it should be. It should be shocking. Um, The weather is unavoidable, but lately the news about what's going on at the borders has become too much for most people to endure. Because of the alarming spike in suicides and under increasing pressure from public health officials, news organisations have decreased the number of stories devoted to genocide, slave trading and new mutant virus outbreaks and deadly pandemics. You can no longer trust the news. Social media, along with the grim source of live feeds and disaster reporting, is brimming with conspiracy theories and doctored videos. Overall, the news has taken a strange, seemingly controlled turn towards distorting reality and spinning a falsely positive narrative. <sighs> it's so freaking sad, but, you know... The demise of the human species is being discussed more and more. For many, the only uncertainty is how long will last. How many more generations will see the light of day? Suicides are the most obvious manifestation of the prevailing despair, but there are other indications. A sense of bottomless loss, unbearable guilt and fierce resentments at previous generations who didn't do what was necessary to ward off this unstoppable out. I don't know guys, I don't know what I'm saying, Um, it's disgusting, it's horrible and we are the future that can do this, we are the ones that can make our world even better, not just keep it as it is, but make it even better, make it happier, make it more people focused and I think next week's or next upload's podcast is gonna be the other version the kind of the next chapter where um the authors discuss the world as it could be if we do keep under 1.5 degrees and i will update you on the process and other things i have been doing um and yeah what else there was something else i was gonna say Oh, I have mocks this week. Um, they're on Thursday. Um, it's been half term, and then I've had an extra Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, three days off. Um, but yeah, I uh, my first proper exams because I didn't sit my GCSEs. Oh well, I'll update you guys next week or not next week. <laughs> I will see you guys for the more positive version if we do do good things and we keep people to accountability and although you know authority figures and companies should should be doing a lot more because they're not humanity and the public need to make them and that's unfair but it's just something that you know has to be done so yeah bye guys (laughs)